Good evening and welcome to the Orion Report. I'm Reverend Rath and your host. Tonight's episode is going to be about the afterlife. This will be an overview and a Orion view. But first, as usual, I'd like to start with a prayer. Please bow your heads with me if you're of a mind and pray along. Supreme Spirit of Light, Love, Life, Law, and Liberty, Eternal, Divine, and Holy, we call out to you in Emmanuel, God with us, and ask your Spirit to be here with us and among us. Fill our hearts, our minds, and manifest forms. Quicken our thoughts and heal our bodies. Purify our souls in your grace. Thank you for being mindful of us at all. Thank you for caring and watching over every spirit. Thank you for granting us access to eternity through your wisdom, your word, your spirit, and your truth. Amen. And now, an excerpt from the IA. Man-made religions are empty visions which raise no one from the grave of living death and only reinforce the chains that bind a spirit to the wheel of everlasting repetition and soul annihilation. God-given revelations are never perfect or complete because humans receive only what they can conceive and the waters of life pass through the filter of culture, experience, and expectations. This is, however, by design messages given to specific peoples and ages, and the dogmatic rarely receive for narrowness of vision. I would like to clarify a term that I read in that last reading. It's the term filter. Filter in this respect refers to, in one hand it refers to the physical structure of your brain. The brain is an organ that focuses the mind and spirit and allows us to perceive a structured and orderly reality around us. Now within that brain, within the personality held within the brain, is another layer of the idea of filter, which is that filter is your cultural teachings, the things you learned through socialization with the people around you, through reading of any book, especially the reading of holy books, through religious rites, through meditation, etc., etc. You build up a, a picture, an understanding of the world and of what reality is. And this is the filter. And everything that comes from spirit must pass through that filter to manifest on this plane. So every mystic that you've ever spoken to, everybody you've ever heard ch do a channeling or do an auto-writing or even receive messages in dreams or visions, it's coming through their filter. So it's necessarily going to be altered from the original message of spirit. And this is by design. Spirit does this on purpose. Spirit knows that this is what happens. And so it's real important to understand when you're reading ancient holy works you have to understand the filter that it came through which means you have to understand the culture the perceptions even the worldview of the people who got the message in the first place this is why it's so difficult to apply things like the bible and and uh, the quran to everyday life now because the filter is different the understanding 
of the world is different. Both of those came through when there was very little scientific thought in Western culture. And today, of course, scientific thought dominates, and therefore that's part of the filter. In regards to some of the religious views of the afterlife, each religion, including the monotheisms, has a portion of that religion, whether it's a sect or a cult or an offshoot or whatever, that believes in the phenomenon of the afterlife and believes in the phenomenon of reincarnation. In general, orthodox monotheisms don't accept the doctrine of reincarnation, which is often referred to as well as transmigration of souls. However you define it, there's always some aspect of the religion that will believe in it. And you may ask, what is reincarnation? Well, briefly, it means putting on another body. It means that you die and that you then inhabit another body, another baby perhaps. Some people believe animals, but for the most part, another human. And then you grow up again. And generally, you don't remember the past life, although in the case of the Dalai Lama, he's supposed to have remembered all his past lives. Now, after that, there's the idea of soul sleep and resurrection. What exactly is soul sleep and resurrection? Soul sleep refers to when you die, your soul basically goes to sleep. It's unaware, and it stays in that state until the day of judgment, which is the day of resurrection. And at that point, the soul is awakened and faces the judgment of God. Some people believe it's purely a spiritual phenomenon. Some people believe their bodies will rise from the grave as well. It's going to vary quite a bit when you talk to different religions. Uh, some Christian sects, like the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Seventh-day Adventists, they don't believe in soul sleep at all. They believe the soul uh, dies with the body, and then that God recreates it on the Day of Judgment. Neither here nor there. Some people believe in the idea of soul sleep, some people don't. Some people believe that you die and you are immediately in the afterlife, immediately where you're supposed to go. And this is borne out by many of the uh, near-death experiences that I will talk about as well. But before I get to that, uh, I'd like to talk about the cosmology idea. Every monotheism in the world, every paganism, every polytheism, whatever you want to call it, they all have an idea of how the universe is structured, how it's built. And this is what we refer to as a cosmology. Now, you could look at it in modern scientific terms as the cosmology is, oh, we have eight planets in the solar system and one little one that got demoted and we've got the solar system circulating or circling the center of the galaxy and we've got the galaxy floating through billions of other galaxies in the universe and, you know, in a sense that's a cosmology. But when we refer to cosmology in this case, we're referring to uh, levels of consciousness at different planes of existence. So we start out with an explanation of the physical, which not very many people need an explanation of it because this is where we live. This is our body. This is where things are solid and it follows certain definable physical laws. Things like energy and matter have limits that are definable. Um, although some physicists might disagree when they talk about the quantum level, but 
in general the physical can be described with a set of laws uh, adjacent to this and connected to it is the etheric plane there's a lot of different ideas of what the etheric plane is uh, from a Orion perspective we would call this the ghost plane this is where souls that are attached to the material unable to let go of their life in the world this is where they tend to reside if you watch a paranormal show and you see that uh, somebody has discovered a ghost that keeps repeating the pattern of its life over and over you're talking about someone trapped in the etheric plane now the etheric plane is considered by a lot of people to be a material plane to be attached and therefore have certain consistent laws like time seems to work maybe a little differently but it functions in the etheric plane and um, matter and energy seem to have the same effect and this this might explain why when somebody renovates a house it stirs up the ghost because it's actually having a physical effect on the etheric plane which is where they reside and it's causing them distress another state of consciousness that could be said to reside in the etheric plane would be the idea of purgatory and uh, purgatory itself has many different definitions depending on what you read and who you talk to but in general it's kind of considered an in-between zone not quite heaven and not quite hell and the most common view held on purgatory is that it's a place of refinement that you are there temporarily while you work out some issues and in the Orion sense it can be seen as a sorting ground you know you're not quite evil you're not quite good which way do you truly lean and purgatory is a place to find out because when you go into a realm that is without law and without rules the true nature of the soul starts to shine forth and then at that point you know where you're supposed to go uh, limbo itself is different from purgatory it's a less mindful state in general um, the the word has quite a few connotations in our current culture uh, its original meaning was a place where the non-baptized saints would go basically anybody who was really good a servant of God who died before Jesus was crucified thereby opening the way to paradise reside or resided in limbo until that door was open right now we would uh, with our current cultural filters we would consider limbo to be a place of kind of drifting abstraction where you're not really aware you're in a dreamy state and you're not really focused or concrete at all so you can look at the etheric plane as a plane that is all about the material every realm you find in there every state of existence state of mind is focused towards the physical plane and is a reflection of the physical plane now when we talk about the astral plane which is on the other side of the veil we're talking about a realm of the mind and the realm of emotion uh, what we sometimes refer to as the dreaming and in in this realm things don't necessarily follow a logical sequential set of rules and steps things exist there because they should exist there or they are desired to exist there or they are thought to exist there 
If you want more information on the astral plane, I suggest you uh, do some research for yourself because there are quite a few different ideas of the layout of the astral plane, the properties of the astral plane, and what resides in the astral plane. Um, the next plane we would call the causal plane. And it could be seen as the plane where things from the unmanifest pass through and start to become manifest. Now, things in the astral plane aren't fully manifested, but they can have an effect on people. The causal plane is kind of the filter which spiritual energies, entities, etc. pass through to enter the astral plane. And the spirit plane, of course, is a plane that all Uriahns should want to get to because that's where true existence begins. This is where immortality begins. This is where if you have married the soul and spirit, this is where you will reside. This is where, as Jesus said, in my Father's house there are many mansions. Uh, astral mansions are temporary abodes that come and go as the mind and heart dictate. But spiritual mansions are in the eternal world. They are in the world that is called realized. And by realized we mean have become real. Everything below that level exists in an illusion. It is subject to disillusion. It is subject to change based on the minds that float within it. And for every Orion, it is the destination that we work for. It is the afterlife we desire. I'd like to quickly touch upon two different things near-death experiences and the ayahuasca rites. Now, very briefly, I'm going to leave it up to you to do any further research, but one of the commonalities of the ayahuasca rites in general is a psychedelic experience and physical phenomenon. Every person that does the ayahuasca, with one exception that I read, has some sort of physical effect and then hallucinations or, shall we say, psychedelic experiences. And a great deal of them meet what they call Mother Aya, which is a uh, feminine spiritual personification of the ayahuasca itself. Many of them believe the ayahuasca has a spirit or a being uh, that it is, that it's associated with. And another commonality is that they all tend to, all the experiences tend to focus on the person in the experience, that it tends to be about them, about their life, about their emotions, their thoughts, about healing and about moving on, etc., etc. Um, and also, the ayahuasca experience is something that people willingly and knowingly seek out. Whereas a near-death experience comes upon you unexpectedly. Uh, you're riding your bike along a road, you get smashed by a car and thrown into a river, next thing you know you're out of body. You're looking at yourself drowning and you're on with your near-death experience. Now all near-death experiences are slightly different. They seem to be somewhat associated with the individual and a great deal of the near-death experience seems to also be influenced by the training and filter that you have. In other words, 
Christians, born-again Christians, evangelicals, do have a tendency to see Jesus and other figures common to Christianity, such as angels. Um, in almost all near-death experiences, however, there is a presence of some sort. And there's also a sensation of warmth and the idea that everything that is being experienced, everything seen and touched and felt, is alive. And even those that experience negative ones have some of these effects. Although researchers do tend to focus on all the positive ones and they don't really want to, they don't seem to want to tell you about the, the dark ones, but believe me, there are dark ones. And if you don't, you can uh, type it into Google yourself. I died and went to hell. Now with some notable exceptions, and they are few, most people come back from a near-death experience with a profound change. A different idea about the afterlife and God and subjects of that nature. Uh, not every single person does, but in general they do. Now with the ayahuasca, they tend to come back with altered ideas on perhaps the structure and nature of the universe and the condition of their own inner heart and mind. Now, when the Orion Nation gets formed someday, one of the uh, requirements of citizenship will be the ayahuasca rite. So don't let yourself think that I'm against the ayahuasca. I just want to make the distinction that the ayahuasca doesn't seem to travel much further than the etheric plane, and that it is about here and now, it is about your life on earth and yourself on earth, whereas the near-death experience gives us a glimpse beyond the veil into other layers of consciousness and eventually the destination we want to go. Another thing that uh, near-death people tend to experience that ayahuasca doesn't is loved ones. Um, often people report seeing grandma or great-grandma or Uncle Ben or Aunt Judy or a little child that they had that died when they were very young. Some people see relatives that they never met in life, but in the experience they know is one of their relatives. In the ayahuasca, it seems that what you meet are entities from the etheric plane. Some speak of the machine elves. Others see you know, Mother Ayahuasca herself in some form, usually animalistic, because it is a shamanistic rite. And it is not a monotheistic rite. So, in the Orion Kingdom, the Ayahuasca would be a tool to assist in the integration and individuation of the Orion citizen. Now, it I think it goes without saying that if you have a society that has spend a couple of generations training everybody in the Orion way, the filter is going to be very different and the experience is going to be different. Um, a lot of the uh, experiences in ayahuasca and in the, in the near-death experiences seem to be somewhat influenced by not only the approach and the belief of the person at the time, but also their filter, their cultural upbringing and their preconce preconceptions. So. As a Orion, it would be used as a tool, not as the end-all, be-all. So overall, the study of near-death experiences demonstrates similarities and differences within a wide range of possibilities, also with broad generalities. 
In our teachings, two factors come into play in determining your spiritual outcome. One would be preparations. In other words, how much time and effort did you put in here, in this existence, this life, into preparing for the next existence, the spirit life? How much of your temporal life, meaning time, was invested in learning and growing into a spiritual being? And two, the God of your heart. Who do you serve? Do you serve yourself or something else? Whether called archetypes or gods or goddesses or the powers that be or the God of your heart, everyone has a deity. There are, for instance, people who love all things militant and martial. They obsess on guns or swords, worship militaristic symbols, and uphold militaristic ideals. Their God is war. There are those people who obsess on sports and athleticism, still worshiping that old goddess of victory. There's some that obsess on their body and narcissistic tendencies of beauty and physical fitness. There are those who obsess on food or sex or narcotics and hedonistic pleasures or money and material possessions. The gods of their hearts are known by this. Many, however, have no concept of an afterlife. They worship their mundane existence, their families, their homes, the here and now, the material world. These are those that end up banging around often in the etheric plane. While in the modern area, self-worship, nihilism, and undeath have become contemporary false gods. Now, very few of those in these days have an inner God that could be called the Spirit, the Truth, or Eternity. Those whose ambitions and goals are ascendant, who are vertical in their thinking instead of just horizontal. Where your heart is, there also are your treasures. Researchers have found that nearly 40% of people who came near death experienced a out-of-body or near-death experience. But this also means that 60% of the people who came near death experienced nothing. Paranormal research shows that many minds and souls are stuck in dreams of their former lives or hiding in the shadows, perhaps in the attic, perhaps in the basement. But hiding from what? Trying desperately to cling to the physical plane and lives that fade that are ever more removed and distant past and gone. In the end, Uranism teaches us that 99.9% of all souls' personal identities are lost to reincarnation. Whether you ascend, descend, get trapped somewhere in the middle, your spirit, your true essence, will reincarnate with or without you. You may, do, you may go to a nice place for a while, but there will always be pressure for you to return. And when you return, you surrender your soul, your identity. And at best, you might be able to someday look back on those lies as if in an old scrapbook or home movies or a DVD of someone you don't know. When you return again to heaven, you will be again convinced over time to return. And then again and again and again, round and round and round and round, because we are taught this world is a soul farm. It's a ranch, and we humans are the cattle and the sheep. And the gods of this world are the shepherds. They guide us, they protect us, but ultimately they use us 
feed upon us and consume us. Now this is evident even in near-death experiences where a person's guide gives them the choice to stay or go back. They almost always insist on staying except in the few cases where they are very very focused on the material world. The guide tries to convince them to go back on their own accord tries to talk them into it. You're needed there. Seven billion people can't get along without you. You're vital. But even if the person continues to want to stay, eventually they are forced back. Eventually, boom, they're back in their own body. And this is the reincarnation process. The sheep and the cattle are herded, and quite frankly, it's easier if they go willingly. But they will go nonetheless. The pressure will mount, and mount, and mount. They will even tell you that you get to write your own story when you go back. But they will edit it and rewrite it, and in the end, make it seem like your idea. These beings are masters of manipulation. These gods of the heart, these powers and princes and authority of the world, of evil and heavenly places. But, let's face it. Most souls are simply not ready to live forever, to take on true immortality in a non-materialistic and non-sensual state of being. The soul is therefore surrendered over and over, and the spirit is returned to grow a new soul, a new grape on the vine, a new sheep to be sheared and ultimately eaten by the system. The soup in these near realms is very bland. So, Uranism teaches us to develop a deep and personal relationship with the Most High, the one who is beyond the system, and to tie into the spiritual version of an underground railroad, with the intent of getting to the spirit plane. Urion is a race. It means you are working to identify as and become a naturalized citizen of the spiritual planes, a race from heaven and climb Jacob's Ladder within. That will conclude the Orion Report for tonight. Join me next time, and I'll talk about something else really cool. God bless you. Lining up the